And that podcast actually failed. And the reason why it failed is because I was doing everything myself and it was extremely complex. And I thought to myself, you know, what would it look like? What would the podcast look like if it was easy? And what I did was I started the show again, but I stripped out all of the fluff. So I stripped out all of the interviews. I stripped out all of the hour long conversations, all the fancy intros and outros. And I just did very, very specific content targeted towards my avatar, which at the time was men who wanted to burn fat, all solo five, 10 minute episodes geared towards solving one specific problem. This is Andy, host of The Sprinkler Nerd Show, and I'm excited today to bring on my very own podcast coach, Luis Diaz. I met Luis in the summer of 2019. We were both at a digital marketing conference in Los Angeles, and Luis is the world's one of the world's number one podcast producers for seven-figure entrepreneurs. I know he's launched over 120 podcasts. He's generated north of 15 million downloads for his clients. And Lewis and I are just going to wrap a little bit, talk about what it's like to start a podcast. And maybe if you're listening to this, you would like to start a podcast. I think there's great opportunities in this industry for different niches to create your own podcast. So if you're a contractor listening, or if you're a distributor or you're a manufacturer, and you wanna start a podcast, this episode is gonna have some nuggets for you. And as always, if I can help you, please reach out. I would love to help you start your very own podcast. So with that, let's roll the intro and get right into the episode. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you wanna use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. My friend and podcast coach, Lewis, welcome to the famous Sprinkler Nerd Show. Andy, I am, I am pumped. It's, it's, you know, I've watched you grow this show and it's been awesome to see it grow. You're probably one of the most, oh man, it's one of the most, I always mention to people, man, cause it's like the most odd industry. It's just, for me, I'm like, like, I would have never thought I would have been so lucky to work with a, you know, someone in the, in the, who's calls himself the sprinkler nerd, man. So this is fun. So <laughs> pumped to be here. I'm, I'm surprised you took this long to bring me on, but I'm going to hold that, not going to hold that against you. Just you know, when, that. when you bring your coach on that means you know you're going to be judged a little bit so or potentially judged a little bit so i had to practice my skills in order to bring on my podcast coach that got me started so with that i want to make sure everybody listening knows that lewis held my hand or i asked him to help hold my hand to start the sprinkler nerd show and when we were in the process of starting it i had a million questions because Part of me wanted to start a podcast for e-commerce or digital marketing, all these different things. And when we sort of vetted this out with your help, you're like, dude, the, go with the sprinkler nerd because that's unique and you can tie in marketing concepts and right. technology and digital concepts to the sprinkler nerd. So I appreciate you guiding me in that direction and helping me to produce I think it was my first five or 10 episodes. Mm, mm, yeah. Well, man, I think you had a, in the beginning, you had was Andy, you always had like a super unique brand. And I'm like, 
don't do what everyone else is doing. Let's just do what like makes you super unique. And even when I think of you as like, you stick out to me as the sprinkler nerd guy. And, um, <clears throat> it's hard to copy. Um, and in podcasting today, there's so many, so many other podcasts out there. There's over 2 million now. It's like, it, it, you have to find a way to separate yourself. So I think this show did it, did it really well. Yeah. Appreciate it. And how we met was kind of very serendipitous. We yes. were, I think it was anyway, because we met and I'm just kind of like, oh, hey, this Lewis guy, he's a nice guy. Hey, what do you do, man? And you and you said, well, I coach people into starting podcasts and I've got this podcast agency. And I was like, no way. Seriously, <laughs> I've been wanting to start a podcast for four years because I listen to podcasts, right? Digital marketing podcasts. Mm. And so it was just like being at the right place at the right time to meet the right person yeah. that was you that just put me over the edge and got me started. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a fun night and that was a great, great event. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the reason why I go to events to tell people it's like, it's the number one the easiest way to connect with great people is by going into events, not on social media or Facebook or cold email or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was definitely serendipitous. So, so I, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear it for this episode, man. Cause I've been thinking about just when we first connected, like what we talked about <laughs> and those are the <laughs> concepts of this show, which were, which were fun. Yeah. And uh, I want to add one thing so that I can remember to record another podcast on this topic. I heard Jim Collins recently say, uh, come up with this concept called who luck. You could call it one word, who luck. Okay. Mm. And who luck, in his opinion, you know, everything starts with people, the who, who do you look up to, who influences you, who can help you. And depending on the circles that you play in, and this is the example would be me going to the digital marketing mm -hmm. conference with Eric Sue and Neil Patel and meeting you, right? It wasn't just dumb luck that that happened is that we, I set myself up to find the who mm -hmm. luck being you. And you probably did the same thing because you chose to go to the conference. Mm -hmm. And so we both put ourselves into this circle of people that matched up. And so for those of you listening, whatever you might be interested in, sometimes you have to go put yourself in the right place to find your mm. who luck, who can help you do whatever it is that you need to do. So I just planted that seed because I want to record another episode about that concept. And meeting you is totally good who luck. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I would say one thing to add there too, it's like that is literally how I built how I at least built my business. I'm sure Andy, you've, you've, you do a lot of travel for your business as well. So it's like putting yourself in those rooms is, is, is can just get you farther faster in my opinion. So yeah. So at this point, Lewis, you have launched a couple hundred podcasts. You've helped your clients generate, you know, north of 15 million downloads where I'd like to know, because I don't remember where your story starts with podcasting. Yeah, that's always a fun one. So I, before I was doing, before I did podcasting, I was a personal trainer. And in the beginning, coming right out of college, um, I was doing, I was working at LA Fitness, realized at that time, so 2015-ish, 14-ish from around there, I 
was kind of on, on YouTube a lot and looking at other trainers, trying to study my craft as a personal trainer. And I realized really quick, like I watched guys like Vince Del Monte was my first mentor back then. I didn't know him. I just watched his YouTube videos and he would have a huge you know, following. He made great money and he was doing the same thing essentially I was doing, except he was doing it online. So I figured to myself like, well, how do I get online? How do I start to make money online and sell personal training packages as a virtual trainer, not a guy who's doing 14 hour days in the gym. Cause back then I'd had a client load of like five, 10, 20 clients that I would like circle through, you know, Monday through Friday. Some, some nights I'd be there until nine o'clock at night and it wasn't fun. Like it was a lot, you're trading your time for money. So that's kind of how I got into it. So I, I got really curious around how do I get online? And then funny, it was, it was the weirdest thing. So I don't know if you know this backstory about me, Andy, but my parents own a, a bakery and I used to work in the restaurant hmm. biz a lot. And one day out of the blue, my mom calls me and she's like, hey, I have a friend here who maybe can help you with this whole online marketing thing. She had no idea what she, what I do. She barely knows what I do now. Um, but essentially, it was, a, it, was a, it was a really, it was a, a customer who was a digital marketing expert. And this guy had done, you know, several, seven or eight mergers and acquisitions with big online companies. So he knew the online marketing space quite well, e-com space quite well. And he sat down with me one day at uh, Starbucks. He's like, why don't you do podcasting? Because throughout this conversation, we discovered that I suck at writing. I suck at video, but I can talk. Like I'm okay at conversation and, and conversing with people. And that's usually how I was good at closing clients, just through like just organic conversation. So I started this podcast in 2016, my first podcast, 2016. I spent $11 on a course from Udemy and, uh, <laughs> and, and and patched together, you know, what became known as I think it was called High Performance Habits before Brendan Richard had that name. I had a podcast way back when called that. And that podcast actually failed. And the reason why it failed is because I was doing everything myself and it was extremely complex. Like I made I did a, a, everything to a T, Andy, like that the course said. The problem was the course was not really designed for what I wanted to do, which was grow fast and do solo episodes. But it was a great learning. Like I got my feet in the, my foot, you know, my feet wet, got my name out there a little bit, and mm -hmm. ultimately it failed. And then I took a few months off to really establish. And, and I was at the time I was this was like when Tim Ferriss was really really big and and whole four hour work week concepts or you know using constructive constraints. A lot of his philosophies I started to gravitate towards. And I thought to myself, you know, what would it look like? What would the podcast look like if it was easy? And what I did was I started the show again, but I stripped out all of the fluff. So I stripped out all of the interviews. I stripped out all of the, you know, hour long conversations, all the fancy intros and outros. And I just did very, very specific content targeted towards my avatar, which at the time was men who wanted to burn fat, all solo five, 10 minute episodes geared towards solving one specific problem, um, as it related to getting a, getting a six pack. And that show um, did around 19,000 downloads a month at its peak. And I was able to like get clients from it and, and start to figure out like how to actually move people from con organic content onto a sales conversation and then ideally to being a, a paid customer. So that was, yeah, that was kind of my trajectory in terms of learning, going from fitness to finally helping people with the podcasting. Wow. That's awesome, man. I think that I wish I could get 19,000 downloads a month. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to think if you're listening to this and some episodes of this podcast really resonate that, you know, this, the sprinkler industry, well, 
the landscape industry is kind of niche, but then the sprinkler industry inside of the landscape industry is even more niche. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually going to probably be expanding this podcast. So I'm just going to put that out into the wild. The name of this podcast might be changing going into 2023 so that I can broaden it and help more entrepreneurs, landscape entrepreneurs like those of you that are listening to this. So when I hear 19,000, I know that that's not, you know, hundreds of thousands, but to me, that sounds like a, a great number. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great at, at its peak. And, and that show was, you know, 2017, 18, I think I had it for about three years and then I started to transition into other things, but, but yeah, I mean the, the secret and people ask me like, what's the secret to that podcast or what was the secret there that worked? I think it was the specificity, which you have here. And, and back then there's a lot less shows, right? So it was a little bit easier to, to grow and get found because there's a lot less competition, but I think the, the same principles apply, right? Specificity and growing and getting known for one thing before you get, you broaden out, like you've done this show for a few years now. So it makes sense as to why you're broadening out. And I did too with that show. Yeah. I always look back at that show and I'm thinking of like, well, what worked? And as I hear you say that, I think that that principle probably applies potentially to all business, not just podcasting, <laughs> right? Oh, I yeah. think that, you know, we've heard this expression that the riches are in the niches mm-hmm. and you, and it's good to be known for something and have some specific value. So I'm, again, I'm trying to maybe tie this into an irrigation contractor or a landscape contractor that there might be something specific in your contracting business that you can be the best at that is Mm -hmm. niche. And then you can expand from there so that if somebody thinks about you, you're the best at installing XYZ type of sprinklers or providing X service as, as a niche to just get out there and get known. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's kind of my, that was my kind of aha moment, right? It was figuring out that I could be known for one thing and make good money and have a, have a really solid positioning in the marketplace. I don't have to be all things to all people. So then what was your second podcast? How did you transition from that to the, to the next podcast? I started a few practice ones and messed around a little bit. Um, the next, the next serious one is probably the one that I have now, which is how to get your first hundred thousand podcast listeners, which that's gone through its, its own evolutions as well. At first I was like the, it was, it was a podcast for fitness entrepreneurs who wanted to launch a podcast. Then it was the podcast domination show. And now it is how to get your first hundred thousand downloads. And the funny thing is I actually went kind of in reverse. Like I, I made the mistake of going too broad in that second one. And now I, now I'm super specific to helping people grow and monetize a podcast. Um, and not, it's not like business coaching or anything else like that. It's very specific. So that evolution, I guess, came from, I think just under looking at the marketplace, looking at other shows that do it, that do this or talk about similar things and me and trying to figure out, well, where do I fit and how can I add the most value and, and solve a very specific problem? Well, I think it's pretty awesome that some people, well, let me step back. Some people are just afraid to fail. So they don't start. Yeah. Right? Some people just don't even start with whatever ideas in their head. They don't start because they're afraid it might not work out. And so I love how, you have had failures and have chosen to stop doing something and do something else where that is actually a fear for (laughs) a lot of people that they can't stop themselves because they don't want to tell their friends, I stopped doing that and, you know, Mm. get that feedback where they're afraid that it could fail. But the only way to learn how to hit that home run is to take a lot of swings and yeah, 
if you miss the ball or you strike out, who cares? You got you can just step up and take another swing. So sounds like you um, have done that quite a bit. Yeah, there's been a lot of pivoting. And I think pivoting gets I want to say it gets easier as you as you go along. So for example, when I was going from fitness to podcasting, two things. I had a mentor that said, Lewis, you should do this more than this here because you suck at this. You don't suck at this, but you're not that good at this. And you're really good at this over here, which is podcasting and helping people start and launch and grow and, and, and work with podcasts. So that was a big identity shift because at the time everybody knew me as the fitness guy, the guy who helped people get six pack abs and lose fat. And now I'm saying, hey, I'm this guy who can help you with podcasts. So there's a huge identity shift there. Um, a huge I, ego, you know, cur- confidence kind of thing there that that took a hit for a while. And then you start to get better at it. And then, you know, as you pivot more, you start to not worry about your ego and you start to realize like the relentless pursuit of of getting better is what if you're more focused on that, then you don't have to worry about your ego taking a hit. Do you recall as you were pivoting how that made you feel because your persona was wrapped around one identity how how did you feel when you were shifting identities? I felt like a fraud. Hmm. <laughs> I felt like a fraud. And it takes some time to be okay with that. Then to realize and talk yourself through like, you're not a fraud, you're just human. And you you have you pivot sometimes. I remember thinking, you know, sharing pictures or doing my first interview with other podcast experts. And it was like the first, I remember the first time I actually talked about something on a podcast that wasn't fitness. And it felt so weird, but it also felt really good because I was sick and tired of talking fitness at the time. So you definitely feel kind of like a little bit of a little bit of, you know, imposter syndrome for sure. And you also realize, I I remember feeling like, man, what is X going to say when they see this? What is Y going to say when they see this? What are they going to think? Are they going to comment on my photos? Like, you know, really, really awkward questions. Like, weren't you just in fitness? Um, <laughs> so so, so you know, that was a story you were telling yourself what actually happened. Like nobody cared. Did, nobody cared. So the things you <laughs> yeah. thought were going to happen didn't actually happen. No, no, nobody Making a mental note for myself. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody. It's like, everyone's too busy with their own thing. If they ask, had a question, I just tell them, Hey, we, I pivoted cause I had a great mentor. He told me to do, to do this. And now I'm helping people do X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And, and, and you, you get to choose it. I, I, my last solo episode that I recorded was called Becoming Your Future Self. And you get to become whoever you want to be, whether that is right. in the same niche, same identity or completely different. And it doesn't matter to anyone else except for you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm, I'm sure when I get done with podcasting and I'll have to switch to another industry and it'll be weird, but it'll, you know, hopefully the, the prior failures and, and the pivot, you know, the, the experience pivoting will help. Yeah. And reinventing is healthy. And yeah. again, for those of you listening, we're talking about podcasting, but there are similarities because we're literally just talking about business creation, business growth, business pivoting. And if you're doing irrigation, but you would rather be doing a different landscape service, then cool. Learn the other service. It, yeah. You don't have to do the same thing forever. And it can be like Lewis just said, like really freeing to go do something new, see if you like it. And if you do, then start doing it. Nobody says you have to do the same thing forever. Mm -hmm. Well, I love talking about, you know, your, I don't want to say this the wrong way, 
I don't want to say that I love talking about your failures because that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Your growth built on it. failures and pivots. Yeah. As it relates to just your experience seeing the podcast landscape, why do you think most podcasts fail? I think most podcasts fail because they do they do what everyone else is doing. Like they they do the same kind of content, same length, the same style, the same type of approach, the same kind of goals. So I think a lot of podcasts that I see, and even the clients that we launch sometimes, we try to give them advice and say, hey, don't do this. Or like, we, we see a lot of this, maybe you should try something different. And they don't, and, it's, and that's okay. You know, everyone's got their own vision for what they want to create. I see a lot of it due to the fact that they're trying to be like everybody else. That's one of the reasons why. And then I also think, Sometimes people come in it with the wrong expectations. Mm. Like this is a two, three year project. And for me, I'm okay doing podcasts for the next seven years. <laughs> I'm totally fine. You know, I will have fun with it and learn. But I, I, I've had conversations with people who want to make money in three months with a podcast. I'm like, this is not, this can be a great money making. You make a lot of money in podcasting, definitely. But you cannot try to come in with a, th- a goal of like in 90 days, this thing's going to be fully monetized. I'm going to make in five, six grand a month with this thing. It's just not going to happen. So I think that's the biggest thing. Expectations and then just doing things like everyone else are probably the biggest things I see. I love that you said expectations because it said it's a word that we could use for lots of things that we don't. Sometimes we don't yeah. think we have an expectation, but when we dig down, we are simply disappointed because of an expectation that we had that we didn't know that we had. And right. let me ask you, do you remember, and you might not, what any of my expectations were when I started this podcast? Oh, that's such a good, such a good question. I, I do not. I remember you really taking this as a practice. Like you were, you were more, not say obsessed, but focus on the practice of the crafts which I appreciated because you didn't, you realize that there was going to be practice. And a lot of people kind of forget that part just because they don't know what they don't know. But I I think you were really focused around, I want to practice interviewing. I want to practice solos. I want to practice my craft. And I've heard you say that throughout the years. So I, I think your expectation was a lot more realistic than most people who aren't accustomed to like creating content regularly. Cool. I'm glad that I gave off that vibe. Uh, because I would say that you nailed it and I'm sort of just reminding myself and then providing some insight to everybody listening that my, I think my expectation was that I wanted to see if I could like it. I wanted to see if it was something Mm -hmm. that I could do repeatedly and sustainably because I felt like if I couldn't, that would be the reason that it would fail because I would stop doing it. So there would be something about it that I didn't like that I would stop doing and if long as I talk about things that are interesting to me, it should be, it probably would be interesting to someone else. So if I can entertain myself, then I can make it repeatable and sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then I can therefore practice. <clears throat> and if that happens, probably the side benefit would be all the other stuff that would come with it. But if I can't actually enjoy doing it and do it consistently over time, then it would fail. And so I guess my untold expectation is getting to 50 episodes. I wanted to see if I could put the time in to get to 50. And then I thought, all right, let's see if I can get to a hundred. And I think that by the end of 2022, we'll be at a hundred. And that's when I'm going to announce a transition that will just keep top secret. So everyone 
keeps on listening to the Sprinkler Nerd <laughs> Show till they hear about the transition. Um, but it isn't for money or even for downloads. If I actually paid attention to the number of downloads, I would probably be very disappointed mm-hmm. <laughs> as it relates I, to other yeah. niche categories. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think I, I look at mine too. Sometimes I'm like, I, it, it's always, you have to have a healthy understanding of the marketplace you serve. Right. It's like, we're not in health, wealth and relationships, which are massive, massive, category, massive main categories. Um, so having a healthy expectation, absolutely. And then also just practicing your craft. Like if we get you and I get better as content creators and podcasters, then next year we're going to get more downloads just because we're better. Yeah. Um, because I do think the cream of the crop will rise to the top. Like there will be a lot of spikes and valleys, but if you look at year over year growth, like if you get better, then you generally will get more downloads and get more, get, you know, acquire more listeners and audience. Yeah. Yeah. I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about in case there's anybody listening that wants to start their own podcast. And again, if the riches are in the niches, there are so many landscape type podcasts that could be created. So I would encourage you if it's on your mind and you want to do it, I'd happy to chat with you. You can contact me and I can provide whatever type of guidance that you might be looking for. What do you see as the upfront costs and time commitment to starting a podcast? It's a great question. So I'll take it from the perspective of somebody who wants to do it they want to do it right and they want to make sure that they, they're producing like video and audio content. I do truly believe video podcasting is a way of the future. Um, awesome. I I'm say, making a note right now, video. Maybe <laughs> I should take this one and we'll just put it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Video, we're telling all of our clients now, it's like video is the way to go. There's a lot of interesting stuff around that that YouTube's doing now. In terms of costs, well, let me cover time first. I'm going to say you're going to need two to three hours a week to get the podcast launched initially. So once you get over that launch phase and you're in a fate, you're in a situation now where it's like, I just need to reduce, produce content and be consistent. That's a different story. But for right now, if you're starting from scratch and launching, you're going to need two to three hours, probably for two months a week. So separate a Saturday morning, or it could be, you know, you know, like two hour blocks throughout your week to sit down think of names, content, reach out to people for interviews, set up your hosting, set up your, uh, you know, kind of workflow for everything else. Um, the editing obviously is another thing too, which if you're going to be doing that yourself, then that's another, another piece you have to f- uh, factor in. So two to three hours is probably what you're looking at in terms of costs. I would say you're probably going to spend a thousand bucks. If you want to, if you want to do like a nice, you want to have like a, a nice camera, a nice mic and run it at home one-time investment of a thousand bucks. And then after that, you're probably looking at around 19 to $20 a month for like your hosting provider, right? If you're, mm-hmm. I, I recommend Captivate. So, you know, most people, you can use other free ones like Anchor too, if you wanted to, to avoid that cost as well. That has, you know, pros and cons with it, but you definitely could do that. So yeah, so you're looking at maybe a thousand bucks. Like I, I looked at your camera, your camera is super nice. I think it's like 700 to a thousand dollars per. So if you did like a, yeah, if you spent like like three four hundred bucks on a Logitech, my mic that I have right here is about a hundred dollars, hundred dollars, and then maybe like um, stand up desk, um, some cords and cables and other smaller things, you're right around a thousand bucks. Okay. Uh, let me ask you a detailed question. What is the number one mic you'd recommend for somebody starting that they don't want to break the bank and it's going to be a solid yep. mic? What should they buy? 
Um, so there's two. There's one. This one's really good. I love this mic. So it's called an ATR ATR 2100X. So 2100X. Just literally type in the letters ATR and then 2100X on Amazon. It will come up. There's a lot of different versions, but you can get this for as cheap as like 79 bucks. And then it can get scales all up to like 120 if you want to buy like the packages, which are like they come mm-hmm. with like a, a boom arm and then a couple other things, which you want, which you don't need, by the way. Right. But to get started, you can totally buy that. Yeah, cool. I own a 2100, not that version. You said you have the X, I think. I just have yep. the straight up ATR 2100. It's not the one I'm talking on now. But what I really like about it is it's USB direct plug-in mm-hmm. and yep. the audio quality is incredible. It does a good job of not, I don't know what the word is, filtering out the background noise, if you will, or only picking up what's close to the microphone. Right. Um, and I have an adapter. I can plug it right into my iPhone. So with that same mic, you could be on the road, you can record mobile. And I think that Tim Ferriss actually uses that mic a lot as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I've I've done some I nerded out on his. I've been on his blog in years. I need to go there. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw his setup a few few years ago, and he had some interesting stuff in it. But Samsung, or the, sorry, Samsung, the ATR twenty one hundred X is a great one. To start. They don't sell the old one that you you're referring to anymore, Andy. Okay. But this mic, like I I recently purchased two of these because we were at an event. And I needed I needed some extra mics, so I figured it's time to buy and step it up. But these are great. They're just as good as the first one. Um, and then you can use them on an XLR input if you have like a, a amp or something you want to plug it into, or you can plug it right into your computer. And I would say from my experience, don't overthink the equipment. I see a lot of people just, you know, looking at equipment, trying different things, and but they don't take the actual step to record a podcast episode. And so I think yeah. that probably the best thing you could do would be to get out your phone and talk to yourself because it's mm-hmm. fucking awkward. Excuse my language, but it, like <laughs> yeah. talking to yourself into a microphone <clears throat> is the most awkward thing to do. At least it was for me. And so if you could just practice talking into a microphone and mm-hmm. listening or not listening to yourself, deleting and doing it again, you don't need any equipment to learn how to talk <laughs> and yeah. get over and the awkwardness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting over the awkwardness, being entertaining and sharing something. I think nowadays too, I had a good friend of mine who runs an agency like mine, um, puts out content. I follow him a lot. His name's Ryan Helms. And uh, Ryan was telling me that he was, re- I was reading one of his posts and it was, he was talking about YouTube specifically. So what, what makes it takes to kind of really make it on YouTube nowadays. And one of the things he said that resonated with me was edutainment. So like you can't be boring anymore or, you know, and just give away great content, nor can you just be entertaining. You need a mix of both, which I think for a long time, we've, we've recognized that that is a key thing. And if you're one of those people who can strike the balance between uh, entertainment and also um, information, you're you're going to be really hard to beat. But nowadays, it's it's more just like par for the course. Like <laughs> you you need to be have that needs to be that's like a minimum requirement nowadays for for YouTube and and, and audio or podcast content. Great point for sure. I think that well, I don't know how entertaining I am, but I maybe I should practice being more entertaining without being obnoxious <laughs> or weird or or something like that but just trying to be more entertaining that's a that's a good that's a good point because people sometimes don't always need specific information or value they just want to be entertained a little bit right that is a value that is the value to them actually i've thought of that too i'm like what are you getting out of these you know jake paul videos and stuff like that on youtube i'm like i don't get it 
Um, but it's the, it's the escapism, I guess, is that what you would call it escapism from whatever they're, you know, trying to run away from the day to day to day. And the two, thing too, just for people listening, it's like, you know, you don't, you're never going to start out to be like, you know, an amazing content creator or an amazing host or podcaster. And like this all takes practice. So being entertainment takes practice, being entertaining takes practice, right? So you don't think you're, you're going to get this after a month. I think that's really important. Like as far yeah, as the expectations yeah. go. Good stuff. Um, what, uh, and so I'm just going to ask you another question here because it's on my mind and I, I think I know how I would answer it. What scares you the most when you are behind the mic? Oh man. I, I would say, well, if you're interviewing somebody saying something that is offensive to them or that you didn't realize was offensive until after you said it, <laughs> right? A, that, that's a tough one. I, know, I don't know if I've ever done that, but I feel like I may have in the past accidentally you know, you just don't know, you know, you, you say something, maybe a joke or so saying something that offends somebody that, or a guest or, you know, or, you know, a, an audience member, always something that is super, that's going to make you sweat and like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. I, and I can see um, that in our everyday conversations with our friends, sometimes we say things that could be offensive, but we don't stop to think about it because it's unintentional, right, yeah. right? It just rolls out. But when you put something like that out into the world, yeah. Yeah, could be offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you got to be careful. Um, I, I think that's the number one thing. Outside of that, the cool thing about being the host of the show, you can always just like if you mess something up. Like I've had shows where I've been ten minutes in, or eight minutes in, and five minutes in, and I mess something up, and I'm like, I'm I'm just gonna cut it off and start all over. Hmm. A lot of times, like that, if I'm doing a solo and it happens, it's because I've already had a choppy beginning. Like I'm not gonna stop it for just one one issue. Mm-hmm. But if it's like you know, I've had a choppy beginning. This is already starting to get kind of fuzzy and I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'll just end it and start all over again and recoup. Okay. You know, um, instead of that, but that's, yeah. At the end of the day, you just remind yourself, like you can always just hit, hit delete. <laughs> yeah. This is not live. <laughs> this is not live for good reason. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Have you ever had any disastrous guests? Oh man, I had one. So back in the day, I used to do the interview. I used to do the, the, uh, the, you'd call a guest, read their bio and whatnot. And I was very early on in my, in my career, I had this guest where I had to record, I had to redo the intro in front of him like 12 times. I kept on messing stuff up. I kept on trying to do it. I kept on trying to recite it from the top of my head and he was there and he was like, Oh no, no, you said this wrong. Oh no, you didn't do this. Oh, and, and I, you know, I did it horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> so I, I learned the um, importance of recording the intro after, or at least in my opinion, the importance of doing it after, as opposed to doing it while the guest is there. Yeah, that's been a really that was a really embarrassing one. We still the the guy I'm still friends with him, but um, every time I see him, I still laugh about it. <laughs> nice. So my last question, and this is probably something we can all ask ourselves anytime we start to become good at something or want to help someone else. Based on what you know now, what do you wish you had known when you first started? I wish I would have known the importance of practice, your practicing your craft, and the importance of speed. So, for hmm. example, if I had done the fitness podcast, you know, because I, I got good at it, and then I took my foot off the gas, and that, and I was like, well, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And what does that mean? You recorded one every two weeks or once a month instead of two a week? Is that what you mean? So I was doing in the beginning, I, when my show was starting to take off, I was doing three a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
And I, then I took my foot off the gas and I was like, oh, I'll scale back to do one a week or something, blah, blah, blah. And that was like, I was like, dang it. Like I should have kept going because I had something good. And when you have something good like that, you want to you know, put your foot on the gas and, and ride it out as far as you can. So that was one thing. The other thing I would say too would be building a following with the intention to monetize it. Like I, I, at the beginning, I didn't really know where I wanted to go and I didn't, you know, obviously, cause I was still trying to figure things out, but had I known what I know now and knew my path, I would have built an audience to sell to in, instead of just not really worrying about my social media audience. You know, now I'm starting to refocus on it and, and being more specific with the content cause I have a di- direction now, but okay. in the beginning I didn't. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to post on social. I'm not going to really focus on building a community. I'm not going to focus on building X, Y, Z. So, or an email list for that matter. All those things I didn't really build and I didn't take seriously enough in my opinion. And I could have, I was probably left, left a lot of money on the table for that reason. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. Um, good information. And thank you so much for, for sharing all of this. I, I want to remind the listeners that Lewis does help people start podcasts. So if you want to start the sprinkler nerd show number two or something else like that, <laughs> uh, Lewis can help you. And you know, with that, Lewis, how should, or could somebody contact you? Easiest way to do it would be, yeah, I guess through email. So Lewis L U I S at top 10 podcasts, top 10 is spelt with the 10 being the, the numbers. So one zero and then podcasts with an S. So you can do that or go to top 10 podcasts with an S.com. And that should probably take you to where you want to go. To Excellent. Me. Well, I thank you uh, tremendously for helping me start the Sprinkler Nerd show. And uh, it means a lot. And like I said in the beginning, I really needed someone to hold my hand. So thank you for, for being there for me and coaching me into where we are right now. I appreciate it. Man, it was, oh, it was a lot of fun. And um, I'm so happy that you stuck with it. So it's, it's been good to see the evolution, man. It's always a pleasure. So thanks again, Andy. Yeah. And, and thank you for uh, coming on as a guest. Appreciate it. And when I finally get to a million downloads, I'm bringing you back on. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate it. Welcome. You ready, Lewis? Always ready, man.